With so many new podcasts, how do you find your next obsession? Try Pocket Casts, the free podcast app designed by listeners for listeners. With curated recommendations, discovery is easy and seamless. When you find something you like, just hit play. Find all your favorite shows, old and new, at pocketcast.com or find us in the Apple app or Google Play stores. Hello and welcome to Flintoff, Savage and the Ping Pong Guy. That's me, Matthew Side. We've got some meaty topics this week. What's the definition of world class? Sporting heroes and watching sport on TV versus actually being there live. A big thank you for getting in touch through the week using the hashtag FredSavSide. But first, let's find out what we've all been up to over the last seven days. Let's start with you, Robbie. Well, we've had a nice week together, myself and Freddie and um, Stanley, who, who's on our team as well. Um, six of us from our gym went to um, Ibiza on a boot wow. camp. Um, hard training, um, learned to ride a bike. Well, I didn't Wait, learn. You learned to ride a bike. You're 42, Robin. You learned to ride a bike. But Freddie's on his bike. Freddie's a machine on his bike. Oh, so we've decided. We got bikes. We went on 25 miles up the hills. Had the lycra on. It looks fantastic in the lycra, Matthew. Yeah. Um, all, all, all he did was whinge all the way around. I didn't whinge. I've not got any cycle shorts. I've not got any cycle shorts. <laughs> he was he was hurting. He said, my mum's like a dragon's nostril. <laughs> <laughs> what I've realised. Was there any chafing? Um, yeah, a little bit. Well, I realise you do need cycling shorts on the bike, but yeah, yeah. we had a wonderful week, you know, together with, with our pals. And good, good fair, wasn't it? It was, it, it was brilliant. I, I didn't think my first time going to Ibiza would be on a boot camp with Robbie Savage. <laughs> when I was twenty years of age, I wanted to go for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting back to the cycling, Rob wouldn't believe me. Do, do, do you cycle, Matthew? No. Do you know the, the trick to not chafing? You get a banana. Open the banana and put it under your saddle. You sit on the banana. We didn't tell me that over there. I did, I told did you. you. And then you're a real cyclist if you eat it after the oh. ride. That's a real cyclist. Oh, that doesn't the, that won't the banana sort of disintegrate as you cycle? Depends along. where it goes. It was a real tactic. It's a real tactic. But there was one thing which I found very, very alarming whilst I was away. The place where I had Wi-Fi and I was scrolling through Twitter and I was looking at the comments on the show and I stumbled across Matthew Syed <laughs> and Richard Branson. Did you oh, see yeah. that? Seen that. Seen oh, yeah. my word, yeah, Matthew. What have we said? What have we said about retweeting compliments? Okay, so the first... I'm, oh, it's pathetic, Matthew. Oh, Richard, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm so glad you enjoyed Black Box Thinking. Let me know if you want me to come in and give a boring seminar. <laughs> Jeez! So you told me and Robbie, never retweet trades. It's something you shouldn't do yeah. on Twitter. Robbie, me and you are still doing it. Yeah, still doing it. We can't still stop. Doing it's it. like a compulsion. Uh, okay. what, have been, what have you been doing, Matthew, yeah. like, besides tweeting Richard Branston? So, like, <laughs> got himself in a pickle. Oh, I'll cross him in, Rob. I took a holiday to Tenerife uh, with my family, and for the first time, I got a three-year-old boy, Teddy, uh, took him onto the beach. Nice and we name. Played nice name. Teddy. Teddy. Yeah, good short, name. For, short for Theodore. Why is it? As in Roosevelt. Is that is still that good? Right? Yeah, Roosevelt. Yeah. yeah, American president. Remember him? I Robbie. do. Yeah, as Robbie's my, looking confused. I yeah, remember my favourite him. ever quotes. You know, I'm not into quotes, but Theodore Roosevelt's quote. You know the one? 
Yeah, go on. About being the man in the middle, everyone taking cheap shots around you. You know, you, well, there you go. You learn something every day on this show, Matthew. Just well, Google it. Wasn't he the one who said he had a sign on the a desk of the Oval Office in the White House saying the buck stops here? Yeah. Full responsibility. Also, as a great adventurer, adventured down the Amazon a few times, I followed in his footsteps. But carry on, Matthew. Love this. Well, look, let's move on to the first topic of the day. And this is yours, Robbie. And I think this is going to be a massive debate. What is the definition of world Class. Right, so on the weekend, I was on 606 and... Um... I'm, right, Rob, you have to stop this now because <laughs> you plug in one show on one show, yeah, one show on the other. I heard 606. <laughs> I reckon you got it in eight times that you're going to do this subject today. He was promoting. I apologise. It all come about by somebody saying Delhi Alley was world class and this debate goes on and on and on. So... Between the three of us, let's say what we think entitles somebody to get that term world-class. So, basically, the objective of world-class is denoting someone with a skill or attribute that puts him or her in the highest class in the world. Even the the dictionary, the dictionary yeah, yeah, there you go. The adjective, I've learned that one, adjective is. Right? Anyway. <laughs> that's very objective. Yeah, objective. That's what it's called, isn't it? The objective. It's only reading this. <laughs> You're reading. You're reading. What's okay. it? The objective of. What is what? it? <laughs> is it objective or adjective? Adjective. Oh, he doesn't know, don't ask him. He's just reading it. So, right. So, world class. Yep. What is world class? Is it performing at the highest level consistently? <laughs> is it. Um, being the best in your position? It's just adjective, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> what. Entitle somebody to be world class. I've got. Let me give you a number. Matthew, what do you think is world class? Then we'll, then we'll throw names out there. Okay, uh, so I would define world class as somebody who realistically could be described as one of the best ten in the world in their sport at any one time. Yeah. So can you be world-class for a year? Time. No, I think somebody becomes a legend. Somebody goes beyond world-class when they sustain their ability for a long period of time, so when they have longevity. But if somebody can say, realistically, at this point in time, I'm one of the best ten in the world, then I think that, that constitutes a world-class What do you sport. think, Fred? I disagree slightly. I reckon world-class is someone who performs on the world stage at the highest level for a period of time. Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be the best or the top ten. When I look at world class, I think of a large group of people mm -hmm. who performed over a period of time. Yeah. Above that, you've got your greats. What about having charisma, personality? Does that come into it? For me, yes. Really? I think the way... Not for you, sport, Rob. Sport is, <laughs> sport is partly about how it makes the observer feel. Think of Ballesteros as a golfer. He probably wasn't as good as Nick Faldo, but he changed so many people around the world, inspired them because of his wonderful maverick tendencies, the way he hit the ball. He brought a charisma to golf, and I think that is part also of what reckon, constitutes greatness. I'm not sure. I, I think world class is about performance. I think you get all these add-ons where you have a bit of character, a bit of personality. I think that's a bonus. You don't think both of them had that? Oh, Steve Davis. Steve Davis. Oh, oh yeah. it was dishwater, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> there you go. Steve <laughs> Davis. Oh. They've got the best yeah. fans in that he, sport, he, I'll tell you that. He's the first autograph I ever got. Really? Steve Davis. I was with my mum and my auntie Ennis coming out of the Preston Guildhall. Seriously, my mum's mate Susan used to work there and get cheap tickets or free tickets. So we went in. We're coming out of the Guildhall. I've just watched Steve Davis against... Someone else can't remember the did you, name. Did you get carried out? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I was only six. Yeah. So I've come out. Steve Davis is there. I've got my programme. So I said, can I have your autograph? My mum's held me up. My auntie Ennis. Picture, Lancashire Evening Post, first time I've ever been in the paper as well. Oh, there you go, know. Steve Davis. So let's throw names out there, yeah, in all okay. our sports. And, and in, yeah. in the, right. So, football, we said great legends, right? So I'm going to go Ronaldo. So for you, this is a different category. This, yeah, the greats so, and the legends. Yeah, because let's yeah. not get confused. So, Maradona. Maradona, Pele, Messi, greats. Great, yeah. I would say, to a point, R9, the fat Ronaldo, which he's now called, was a great. (laughs) He was incredible. Absolutely incredible. So then we got world class below it. So all the definition we've said, the adjectives we've said, right? Who is is world class? So I'm going to throw names out there. Suarez, world class. Does it in big games? Does it in big moments? Does it consistently? Done it in um, the Premier League? Done it in the Liga? Done it for Uruguay? Yeah? Neymar. You would say the same. Agreed. In the Olympics, he was magnificent. In the, in the World Cup in his own yep. country, he got injured. He was, yeah. he was magnificent, magnificent for Barcelona. Gareth Bale? Did you yeah. say he's world class? Yeah. yeah, yeah. David Beckham, I don't think he's world class. Oh, controversial. David Beckham. Well, Matthew's going to defend yeah. him. He wants to write his next book. Reason being, <laughs> reason being, saying, David Beckham, fantastic. Well, listen, brilliant player, brilliant player. I think he comes below the, the Suarez's. Suarez's? The Suarez's, the Neymar's, Suarez's, <laughs> the, Neymar's, <laughs> the Bales, um, the Giggs, I would say Scholes. Scholes was world class. Yeah, I would say Beckham was probably the best crosser of the ball in the world at a time. And people say the goal against Greece, people saying he'd done it regularly. But I just think that. But is, is, was David Beckham, I, my stats might be wrong, not the most capped English player? So if he's the most capped English player, if he's played all them games for England, how is he not world class? And also, think back to 98-99. He got sent off for England against Argentina, last 16 of the World Cup. Bounced back cut... superbly well. Oh, not just bounced back well. The 98-99 season, United won the treble. Beckham was a rock in that team. An extraordinary set of performances. He actually came second in FIFA World Player of the Year that season. When people said he'd be destroyed by the adversity, the animosity, the vilification, he put in a set of quite extraordinary performances. And for me, Freddie's right. He didn't just do that once. He was consistently that good. And people, I think, with Beckham conflate two different things. They say, OK, yeah, he's a celebrity. He's on what was the that funny voice then? <laughs> <laughs> what was that then? Who was that? Oh, who was that? That's who a was man that? on the street. <laughs> <laughs> said, you know, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. On the football thing. Hey, Matthew Saeed, yeah, had it. Obviously... Beckham, right? Yeah. So Rooney, who's now overtaken Beckham as the most outfield capped England yeah, player, right. yeah, was Rooney world class? He is world class. He is. Yeah. He well, is well, not uh, was. He is. I don't think he is now. Oh, I'd say no, was. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Rooney would share that attribute with Beckham. Don't forget, Robbie, you're saying that he's a good crosser of the ball. Think of the work ethic he put in, game in, game out. You know, he ran through the bleep test twice, as you know. When he was in the class of '92 for Manchester United, you'll have seen I could run. I wasn't world class. Yeah, but he ran through the bleep test twice, and you look at the number of the stats on the amount of energy he put in. Zidane said when he joined Real Madrid, "You don't realise the effort that Beckham expends every single game, and the amount of desire he transmits to the rest of the team until you actually play alongside him." Beckham unequivocally world class. You know, you know, Fred. So I will say for periods or for a game, I. Put in world class performances. You did. 
by by the <laughs> What? I'm, 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 it's Matthew. He's, he's being a. What do you mean? What do you mean? You did. You, so hang on. So you got the legends. Yeah. Then you've got the world class people. Yeah. And and you're in that. First and foremost, category. I think the term world class is thrown about far too easily, yeah. especially in this country. As I said, the reason this come about because Dele Alli, somebody said he's world class. Does age come into it? Can you be world class at 20, 21? But I, I, I think that world class, you get over a period of time. So I if agree. you're 21, 22, if yeah. you played since you were 16, possibly. But you grow into that. So Michael Owen, for instance. Won the Ballon d'Or? Yeah. Yeah. Was he world class? Yeah. I think he was for I a think period he was. of time. He was one of the most brilliant strikers in the world. I don't think you would say that about him towards the tail end of his career. Could we just rewind for a second, Rob? Because I think you said a bit earlier that you thought that you were world-class. No, I, so I just say want to that. go through that. I didn't say that. I said there was times in my career when I put in a world-class performance. How many games did you play for Wales? 39. So you played 39 games yeah. on the world level. Yeah, yeah. How many of them games went well? No, why are you laughing, Matthew? I'm, this, I'm going <laughs> somewhere with it. Why are you laughing? Sound like Jeremy Paxman. Well, I reckon I played probably well 20 times. So that, that's If you played 20 times the world stage... You're world class. Hang on, you're th- now. You're now saying that Rob was yeah. world class. We played for Wales. I know it's it's you know it's it's Wales. <laughs> but, but he played for Wales twice. Did you did you win any of them games? <laughs> How many of them games did you win? A few. A few. Yeah. What? So you know, you know, on the on the. So I man marked Gianfranco Zola was world class. Yep. Right, world class. And I man marked him when I played for Leicester against Chelsea. I was designated. You man mark him. Don't worry about the ball. Just stay close to him. So I stayed close to was him. Was that what they said to you? Yeah. Don't worry about the ball. Yeah. Don't worry about the ball. Do what you're good at, son. If it comes near you, just run out of the way. Yeah. Seriously. If he's still Don't on the touch t- it, Rob. Don't touch it. We're Don't. trying to play football. Don't touch the ball, Rob. So if he's still on the touchline, I'd go and follow him. Didn't care. Savage, get off the ball. So I man marked him. He was world class. He got taken off after 60 minutes. We won the game 2 0. So on that day... How many times did you touch yeah, it? Not many. But on that <laughs> day... That your best game? <laughs> Seriously, I'm getting a bit embarrassed here. <laughs> so for that game, I was world-class. You're world-class at running next to someone. <laughs> yeah, I could run. It was a world-class performance. Nobody but I wasn't world-class. I was not world-class, yeah. but it was a world-class performance. I, I swallowed his tea there. <laughs> he's on the floor. But seriously... Oh, just laughing. <laughs> Sorry. Seriously. Yeah. So... Another one, Mesut Ozil. He's won the World Cup. He played for Real Madrid. He's, he's got great assists for Arsenal. Is he world-class? I think, for me, that's more difficult. I think How is it difficult? Because even though he won the World Cup and he was fantastic, I don't think he's consistent enough to be described as world-class. For me, too often, when I've watched him play against high-level opposition in the Premier League, he's gone missing. And I think that being able to do it consistently is a big component of whether you're going to assess somebody as world-class. I don't dispute he's a fine player. And on his day, his creativity, his ability to unlock his teammates and to put them into goal-scoring positions is fantastic, but not quite world-class. So the world-class, the world-class debate obviously moves on to cricket then. Yeah. Is cricket more, Fred, about there's greats and there's world-class? Is that basically on the stats, how many wickets you've taken, how many runs you've made? Who's world-class in cricket? Yeah, yeah, yes and no. I think sometimes in cricket, your stats don't tell the whole story. You can score 100 or a 200 in a game where you get beat. You can set wickets yep. when it doesn't matter and it's shallow. And I've played with people like that who do it. However, what I think is 
You talk about grits. Within cricket, have I got coffee or around my mouth? I've got coffee. I must admit, I, I spat a full mouthful of coffee back out my cup when she was talking about just running around here, must have Frank calls over. Thank you. So, getting back to greats. Thanks, Rob. I think there's only ever been a handful of greats in cricket. You talk about the term banded around too often. Great is, for me, there are greats. Sachin Tendulkar. Yeah. There's no debate. Ricky Ponting, no debate. Brian Lara, although I'd like to bowl him every day of the week, a great. Really? Like, yeah. yeah. You got him out, did you a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Shame <laughs> Warren. How come you got him out so much, Lara? Yeah. Left hander, just nip it away. Oh. Matthew, just nip it away. Um, and then you've got Shane Warren, yeah. Muralithran, yeah. Wazim Akram. Yeah. And then the greatest great of all time on stats is Sir Donald Bradman. Bradman. After that, you've got your world-class players. No, Gary Sobers. Huh? Gary Sobers, world-class. Not great. World-class. Sobers. Whoa. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. You've got to be kidding. I, I, Sober, Sober, Sober and Sobers. Freddie we used, didn't used to go together very well. <laughs> <laughs> it does now, though. <laughs> Get that, Rob. Oh, he's off. He can talk now. <laughs> right. Gary Sobers, I love the oh. man. I sat with him at Barbados and I sat with him and I chatted about cricket. He was eloquent, he was funny, he knew a bit about my game and I loved him as well. However, when you talk about world class, yes he was. And I know the cricket aficionados now will be getting the knickers in a twist, but I don't think he is a great. He played 93 <sighs> test matches. He scored over 8,000 runs, which wow. is good as a batter. But he was an all-rounder. He took 235 wickets in 93 test matches. You look at the likes of Glenn McGrath, Courtney Walsh, these bowlers. Yeah, he took 500. They're right, not bat as well. But both of them, both of them took 383 wickets. OK. What was Sober's average as a batsman in test cricket? It was probably high 50s, 60, wasn't it? So if you put him in that bracket as a batter, his stats don't stack up as a batter. What, getting an average... What Richards' average, Viv Richards, was 50. Yeah. Sobers, who could also bowl a bit, had an average it, almost 10 runs more. probably bowl more than a bit. Exactly. And yet you're not including him as one of the all-time greats. I think, big call, Jack Callis, better cricketer. Oof. Underrated. Fantastic. Jack Callis. Fantastic. Jack Callis, his stats are unbelievable. He started off as a genuine all rounder, could ball 90, 90 yeah. odd mile an hour, but he yeah. liked batting more. He played 166 matches. He scored over 13,000 runs and just under 300 wickets. Mm. So I think the argument is more is Jack Callis a great rather than world class? What were you? Huh? World class? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you were, well, weren't for, you? For, for a period of time, I probably had a four-year spell. Which was from when? Where I, when I was, 2002 to 2006, and then a bit of a sabbatical, and then came back 2000. Were you world-class, and he gets a bit embarrassed because he doesn't like talking, he doesn't, people might, he doesn't like talking about himself, he gets embarrassed, but Freddie was world-class, Matthew, because he impacted on big games. Yep. Big big things at big moments. Took big wickets at yep. big moments. Hit a big six or four or blocked one out of big moments. Did that make Freddie world class? Oh, unquestionably. And and one of the other thing, just rewinding to what I was talking about, charisma. The way that Freddie played attracted new people to the game. 
because of the way he did it, the, the heroics, the fact that when you watched him, he, you know, I don't want to embarrass Freddie, but the way he played, it was larger than life. Mm. You know, there was something incredibly compelling about watching him in action when he was during that four-year period. And I think that's part of the magic too. I think we need to acknowledge that even though you have people who are unquestionably all-time greats who are more robotic, like Steve Davis, you know, mm. like Paul... Was Michael Mad- Vaughan? What was Michael Vaughan? I wouldn't put him in the all-time great category. World-class? Sure. It was world-class. World-class in test cricket. Right. Struggled yeah, a bit not, in one-day internationals. Yeah. Test cricket, world-class captain. You can't... Is that where it's changed now from Fred for you? So well, for me, the best players can play everything. Really? You look at the best players in the world now, you're Virat Kohli, probably the best player on the planet right now. Steve Smith, just behind him. Joe Root, just behind him. Play all forms of the game and perform well at it. And then you've got like your Joss Butlers, who potentially could be very, very good, but he favours white ball cricket, struggles a bit in the test match arena. So, yeah, th- there are, but if you're going to go on about charisma and that, then Gar- Garfield Sobers goes up a little bit. Yeah. But on pure looking at his stats, not as good as some. Do you know, Sobers, he was the first, I think, to get six sixes. Was it against Malcolm Nash bowling at the It was at Morgan. Morgan. Unbelievable. I mean, the, the courage and the bravery to go for the sixes near it's the end. It's not that brave, is it? Well, it was he's iconic. He's a ball. He's not... No, but, you know, when he's he got not near it to the end... He's is he? He's, he's in a cricket <laughs> ball. It's not that brave. What's the vaccine from Valeria? <laughs> Both of them, where would you put him in? Both of them, I would put, which is going to be slightly contentious as well, because he was my hero growing up, which we'll get on to. I'd put both of them... This is, this is another one for me, right, where he is... He's world-class, obviously, no denying that. A great of English cricket, but I think the bar when you talk about greats of English cricket is lower than the rest of the world. I don't think he's a great of world cricket. I only think we have got two greats of world cricket, potentially. One of them is Jimmy Anderson. If you look at Jimmy Anderson's record, he could potentially end up taking as many wickets as Glenn McGrath, Courtney Walsh, all these guys. He could get 500-plus wickets in Mm. Test cricket, which is a great on the world stage. Not by England, on the world stage. The other is Alistair Cook. Alistair Cook could beat Sachin Tendulkar's record for Test runs. That makes him a great of the game. Both of them, yes, great of English cricket, but not world cricket. Matthew, great, so world-class who, was, who do you think world-class as a footballer? Give me some names. Throw some names out as a world-class I'll tell you somebody you didn't mention who I don't think is world-class, I think is a true great, and is someone massively underrated, both by pundits and by the footballing public, is Iniesta. He has won major competitions. Yeah. He's won the Champions World League. Cup final. He adds. Scored, he? So, he scored in the World Cup finals. Often player of the match, player of the yeah. competition at the biggest events. He, I think, is one of the true legends, one of the all-time greats. Let me throw this name out there. Yeah. Gary Lineker was an England great. Was he world-class? Undoubtedly. Got the golden boot, didn't he, in 86? He scored crucially against Germany. um, Would he have got into a world 11? Depends on who was selecting the team at the time. But I think if you wanted somebody who was able to have that sort of instinct of an assassin who just saw the world through the prism of scoring goals. Didn't think about anything else. He wasn't adding a great deal to the rest of the team. He wanted to score goals. He was brilliant yeah. at that. Do you, do you think age then does come into World Cup? Remember Pelle, 1958 World Cup? Yep. How old was he? Ve- 16. Ve- very young. You know, he, he was brilliant, wasn't he? That's a good one. I don't yeah, but Pelle right. was young at that yeah. World Cup. He's, yeah. he's, I think he scored the winner against Wales in the quarterfinal, 1-0. And he was magnificent. Mm. 
Would he have been world class at that time or? No, probably not. No, yeah, potential. Yeah, potential. Yeah. Potential. All right, and one more name from cricket. Yeah. Kevin Peterson. Mm. <laughs> well, mm. <laughs> it gets that reaction a lot. <laughs> I, I... Mm. Tell you what, go on, you, you kick off on that one. Ke- Kevin Peterson, world class. Right? World class. You can't argue. 104 matches. Scored over 8,000 runs. 181 matches in the shorter form of the game. His stats do stack up. However, <laughs> I love the however. With Kevin, world class. Didn't go on to be a great. Not in the bracket of your Pontins and your Tendulkas and your Laras. Could have been. But the problem with Kev is his career was ended for whatever reason. We've heard one side of it. We've not heard the other side of it. And I wouldn't want to be in Kevin's position because he was touching greatness. He was that close to doing it. If he'd have kicked on for another three or four years, his name would have been etched in cricket in history. And now so, he commentates on IPL. So here's a question for you. Is greatness in a team sport Whoa. also... Whoa. <laughs> that was withering. Yeah. That was, is greatness in a team sport also partly to do with whether or not you can integrate with other people in a team and be a good team member and not just an individualist? Well, this is this is one of the things which <laughs> is quite strange when it comes to Kevin is that everyone thinks that he was so bad and didn't integrate within a team. He he, he did. Mm. He had his moments, and mm. we all had our moments. But yeah, he, he was a big part of the success of the England side, especially in two thousand and five and moving forward. That's when he played all his Test matches. So you can't play one hundred and four matches and not be integrated into a side. If you're not integrated, you're going to get dumped after five or six. Yeah. Not one hundred and four matches. His career came to an end abruptly, and I would I wouldn't like to be in that position. At least for me, my career ended. I'm injured. I can't do no more. It was done for me. Where Kevin, it's all a career now of well, I could have done this, I could have done that. Yeah, regrets. And I don't think he'll be ever satisfied with what he's done. Just going back to what Ferry said earlier, which is interesting because. You said about doing it on the world to the international level. See, I think with cricket, yes. I think with football, mm. no. Mm. Because George Best, yep. he was world class, touching on greatness. People say he was oh, a great. Oh, was a great. Yeah, yeah but was I didn't... No, how could he be? Oh, how George could... Best. He didn't play long enough. But he, he won the European Cup in 68 for Manchester United. The way he the played, team, the way it? he moved. If you come from a country that isn't ever going to enable you to be the best in the world. If Pele had been from the same country as George Best, he probably wouldn't have won the World Cup. You can't say somebody is not a great because of an accident of birth. The guy had the ability. If he had been in the Brazil side, he would have won the World Cup more than once. But if he would have... if What age did he finish? 27, 28? Hmm. If he, well, you can't be. You've not played long enough oh. to be a great. Tell you, so you've not got Sobers and you've not got Georgie Best. No. Controversial. So uh, the reason I'm saying that is because I, I think with international cricket, to be a great, you have to play internationally. Because but with football, I think your club internationally doesn't really make a difference if you're a great or not. That's why Giggs, for me, is world class. Yep. Some people might, is he a great? With Mar- is he on Maradona? No. But people say he didn't play in a major tournament. That's why he cannot be world-class or a great. But I think Giggs was. So for me, it's a different scenario being world-class at cricket and a great because you have to play internationally. But Mm. football, you don't because there's so many world-class players who don't perform or don't play at the highest level. What I'm realising is there's a grey area between world-class and great. 
it seems you've, there's only a handful of greats yeah. and then you drop down to world class, where some people are better than world class, but they're not great. <laughs> yeah. So I'm talking about your Sobers and your George yeah. Bests. Oh, oh well, you've changed your tune, Andrew. I'm not pulling back. You've changed your tune. He's nibbling outside yeah. off. I'm not, I was a nibbler. I must admit, <laughs> I, do, I do have a nibble. Hey, by the way, Ferguson, when he was asked about, you know, I like to talk about Sir Alex Ferguson, oh, he really? said he only had four world class players in his time at Man. Manchester United, Ronaldo, Cantona, Scholes, Giggs. He didn't include Beckham, didn't include Schmeichel. Can we just end it with our, our definition of world-class then? Let's end it with our definition of world-class. Go on, Matthew. You're the cleverest here. So, arguably. Yeah, arguably. <laughs> One of the what, best what's our 10 in the world at a given time and ideally someone who can sustain that for a decent period. If, if they do that, will they be remembered as a great then? So you can be world class for the no. season. No, they have to no, be the, they have to be the best in the world to become a great, and they have to do that for a decent period of time. World class, yeah. someone who's performed on the world level for a period of time and performed. So there's a lot of people there, greats, just a handful, a handful, only a few, <laughs> only a few, and then in between that, <laughs> let's call them um, better than world class, not quite great. In there between, we go. good debate. You're listening to a BBC Five Live podcast. Flintoff, Savage and the Ping Pong Guy. If you like this, you might also like this. Fighting talk. This is always quite random, as the podcast extras are. Freebies that you've been given by bands. I got a paperweight from ELO. To find out more about our range of podcasts, click, tap or swipe. bbc.co.uk slash five live. Topic number two. Role models. And I think this is going to have two different dimensions. Dimension one, who's inspired us the most? Which athletes, which sports people have really given us some level of inspiration? The second part of this is do top athletes have a responsibility to behave morally outside the field of play? Freddie. Yeah, I, I wanted to chat about... I wanted to, actually wanted to know the people who inspired you. You know when you turn on a telly as a kid and you wanted to watch that one person play their sport perform? The one person you looked at on a screen and thought, I want to be like that, I want to play like that, that's the person I want to be. For me, growing up, there was a few. The obvious one, Sir Ian Botham. You know, I used to watch him play, the way in which he went about it, unbelievable. And I finally met him. I went out for dinner with him when I was 19. It was organised by the ECB. We played a semi-final down at Hampshire. And we went out for dinner and I'm sat on the table and Ian Botham's on the table and there's all these other people on the table. It was a boozy night. We started <laughs> having a few. We were drinking. And then listening to Botham's stories and regaling this and regaling that and thinking, oh, it's Ian Botham now. I'm getting my ears on this. Listen to this. And we ended up leaving the restaurant, walking down the street, arm in arm, arm in arm with Ian Botham. I'm walking with him. This is Ian Botham. I'm walking with Ian Botham under my arm. He's struggling as well. He's had too many. And I'm walking down the street with him. We get back to the hotel. He says, would you like to come up for a nightcap to me sweets? I'm thinking, would I? And I'll do anything you want. Hey, I'm coming. I'm coming up. I'm coming up. So we go up to his room. We have a couple more drinks. And then he says, would you like another? I said, yes, please, sir, Ian. Yes, please, Ian. I'd love another one, please another one he goes into the mini bar underneath the telly he 
opens the minibar, he gets a bit of an heavy head on. He fell through the TV, the TV's all He's marooned on the top of the minibar. I'll see you later, Ian. I just left him to me. Oh, never meet your heroes. Never meet them. But no, be fit, be fit, brilliant. I used to talk to him. I've been out with him. He was one of my heroes. Did you watch him, watch what he done, his technique? or No. Is, is no. Not at all. No. Because I remember watching him when he used to ball bouncers, no helm, and he used to hook, hook it. Him. The yeah, brain, amazing. Like, it wasn't even wow. looking. How did he do but that? For me, it was more, not so much his technique, it was the way in which he went about the game. You know, I, I couldn't really talk you through his technique, but I could see when he played, things happened. He was in the yeah. big moments of a game. He wanted to be involved, and that's what you want to do as a player. The other one was Sir Viv Richards. I love that man. We're talking, I, I didn't put him in the greats. Absolute great. Coolest man on the planet. I was playing my, maybe second, first World Cup, maybe second World Cup. I was in South Africa. I'm in the bar with all the teams. We're all in there having a couple of drinks. I'm stood with Wazim Akram, who great Pakistani, played yeah. with him at Lancashire, took me under his wing, and I'm talking to Wazim. All of a sudden, Viv walks into the bar. It was like Moses, the Red Seas have parted. Everyone just made a walkway. And Viv comes strutting through, sucking his teeth, giving a bit of a swagger. And he comes over, he high-fives Wazim. And I'm thinking, I'm stood next to Viv Richards here. This is Viv Richards. I'm 23 at this point. I'm stood, and then he says, all right, Freddie. I said, said, you know who I am. You know who I am. Oh, Viv Richards. And I'm chatting to him. And he started talking about my game. He was saying what you need to do I'm not going to do the accent he said <laughs> what you need to do you need to have a look give yourself 10 15 balls and you'll make it up at the end I'm thinking this is Viv Richards oh. and I was just in awe of this man did, did both them and Richards have an effect on how you approach cricket yeah I, I think I tried when I played although internally I probably wasn't I'd, it'd be interesting to speak to them guys how confident they were internally I wasn't as confident internally I don't think however externally I would try and carry it off and this is the this is what I want to perceive to be like. This is the this is the aura I want people. I want to be like Richards. I want to be like Botham. But when you got to know them both well as human beings, did you realise that they're, what they were like privately, they weren't necessarily as confident? Oh, Viv was just cool. It was it. Viv's cool. There's no two ways about it. The Viv Richards you see batting is Viv Richards. Sir Ian, yeah, I, I think so. I think so. A lot more words with Sir Ian, where he, he talks a lot more. Viv's quite reserved. He's quite... Quiet, but just cool. You know he's about. You know he's about. You know who's yours, Rob? Let me. I ask you a question first because it's so interesting. Because we're going to go on to um, um, role models as yeah. well. Obviously, you know role models. You know because you will be some people's role models. You you will be. You're saying Vivrich and Botham because the way you play cricket, but as well and knock me down here if I'm wrong. But you know because. The scenes of you coming out number ten. Everybody, everybody relates to. Oh, that's Freddie. He's one of us. He's one. No, he's one of the lads. Do you know what I mean? Do you get what I'm trying to say here? That as a fan, you will be some people's role model because the way you are, the way you wear as a cricketer, yeah. and because you were one of the lads. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, well, I think that's quite get, difficult to pull off, isn't it? To do you get be, what to I mean? Professional enough to no, be a world. You know what I'm trying to say? And at the same time, to have the people's that champion. Yeah, totally. Well, the, agree. The, the, the one thing which I loved about cricket is when I when I watched it when I was younger and then when I started playing a little bit more in my late teens and started playing county cricket was, I, I felt that if you were sat in the crowd, you could identify with the players. Yeah. The, there wasn't that massive gulf in earnings yeah. or scrutiny or media. And 
I always felt that actually, if I wasn't playing, I'd be sat in the crowd. Mm. And I used to go and have a drink with the Barmy Army. We yeah. used to drink with the crowd and mm. see people. And I think that's one of the sad things about yeah. sport now. Dart still has it. You see the crowds. You know, <laughs> they see these fellas on stage, that could be me. It's just a big fella chucking yeah. a dart. And everyone can relate to that. Where football, I think, lost it a long time ago. Cricket's losing it now. Where I don't know if it's social media and all that players are more guarded. Where I always wanted to be. I'm a cricket fan yeah. as well as an ex-player. But don't you think also people want their heroes to be super, to be different in some way, to have that quality that they aspire to but haven't got? You, know, you talked about Richards, the way he could walk in. Both of them could hit a bouncer yeah. without wearing a helmet. Is that, don't you want sometimes these extraordinary people to be different to who you are? Yeah, so I suppose, but then when you meet him, you realise that we're all the same in our underpants, aren't we? Everyone's the same. Everyone's still got the same insecurities. Everyone's still got all these same feelings. Yeah. And that's one of the nice things about it. When you stop playing, you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to live up to that anymore. Mm. What about you, Rob? So, Heroes. my hero, obviously... Nicky Clark! <laughs> <laughs> Nicky Clark! Gail Platt! <laughs> uh, who else? Who else? Donald Trump! <laughs> Bob Alaskan Hound! <laughs> so, my, <laughs> my hero growing up, obviously being from Wrexham, um, watching Wales, so Ian Rush... Um, oh, I, I would be oh. So nobody knows who I support, right? And, I, and I've never given my allegiance to any club because what I do now, if, if you say you support them, you get criticised, blah, blah, favouritism. So as a kid growing up, I supported Liverpool uh, when I was from the age of six, seven, eight. My brother was a Man Manchester United supporter. Mm -hmm. And Ian Rush. I loved Ian Rush because of the Welsh yeah. um, connection at yep. Liverpool. And I even turned up to my Manchester United trial in an Ian Rush shirt, you know, <laughs> because I, I loved the guy. But then when I went to United, my, it was Mark Hughes. Being from Ruabud, four or five miles from my house, Mark Hughes then become my 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 hero, my idol, because he was from the area. So you yep. see the newspaper of him, you know, in the local Wrexham leader. It was Mark Hughes. He, I was a centre forward at the time. He was a centre forward, and I remember the first day I met him, and I still get this now. Even he um, he managed me, mm. he, he he bought me one of his first signings for Blackburn Rovers in his yep. club career. And How much? 3.1 million it was at the time. 3.1 million? Bag. What a bargain that was. <laughs> bargain? What a bargain it was. Bargain. <laughs> Seriously. Bargain. Best 3.1 million, 3 million pounds he's ever spent. But you know, a world class friend. player. Can you imagine the feeling for me as a kid, right? So I'm turning up in a Ian Rush shirt United. I'm <laughs> <laughs> 14 and 15. I go up to Manchester United. You've got Mark Hughes. Yeah? yeah. And I'm thinking, that's Mark Hughes. And it's like, don't don't speak until you're spoken to. That was my my philosophy with these big players. And as soon as he spoke to me, it's like I couldn't speak. I lost all set. My body went bizarre. I lost all sense of fear. So this is Mark Hughes speaking to me. Yeah. And to the point where one day he gave me a lift home to mum and dad's house from, and I was a, an apprentice and he gave me a lift home in his car. Oh my God, Mark Hughes. What was it? What car was it? Was it? A, it was a Porsche, like a nine two eight or a nine six eight. It was a, it was amazing. What colour? Blue. Blue and had the, had the, the, the frog lamps at the front that pop <laughs> oh, out. Remember it? Remember yeah. it? But I mean, my, this is me. He's my hero. He's my yeah. idol. To the point where still now, if I see him, even though he managed me, even though he he he, he bought me, I'm still in awe. He's still yeah. my hero. And it, you can imagine playing for your hero. You want to do so well for him. Yeah. I remember the night we beat Italy for Wales 2-1. I remember, first thing, we won the game. I jumped on him. He was the manager. and gave him a hug, and it was one of the best moments of my life. You've won for your country. He's the manager. He's your hero. Yeah, and, he, and you're hugging him. 
It's you imagine that Fantastic. as a as a as a thing. Brian Robson as well to a point because when you're growing up in the in, in the class of '92, yeah. the youth team, it was the old Pontins League. You used to play reserve team football, and when the older pros were coming back, you'd play with them. You played in the Pontins League. <laughs> Pontins League, yeah, it's called the, it's the Pontins League. So basically, all the youngsters were integrated with the ones coming back from injury. Brian Robson, yeah, you imagine playing with the England captain. He was telling you what to do. It was the most one of the most amazing experiences of my life playing with the England captain who was coming back from injury. Talk, even talking to you, yeah, yeah, but. For me, Mark Hughes inspired me. You, you cannot describe that feeling when your hero buys you. You and, guys, and talks uh, to you. you've met your heroes. Richard's yeah. both. See, I never met mine. The person who inspired me the most growing up was Muhammad Ali. I said, you that, said that. You, you said, said you that. that. I said it wouldn't be a ping ponger. He, he said a ping ponger. I, I said it would be a boxer. I mean, Desmond Douglas said, is up there. But yeah. Muhammad Ali, not just for the fact that he was a brilliant boxer, courageous, beautiful, the way that he performed... But he was such an incredible icon as well for civil rights. He opposed the Vietnam War. His personality. I remember as a sort of teenager watching that Parkinson interview with Ali. It was a recording, the one after he had beaten Foreman in 1974. And I've never seen somebody dominate a TV studio in the way that he did. It was kind of like this high-voltage charisma. And one of the guys in the audience was Brian Clough. And he asked a question. And Clough is a charismatic person, but Ali just dominated it. And for me, I wanted to meet him. When I was at university, he came and did a book signing at Blackwell's in Oxford, but I was away playing a tournament, so I didn't see him. Olympic Games in Barcelona, he turned up, but I wasn't there at the time that he was in the Olympic Village, so I didn't see him. And all the way through my life, I've wanted to meet him. I've met his wife. I interviewed Angelo Dundee. I've interviewed Joe Frazier, Foreman, many of his best opponents. Never got a chance to meet the man himself. I think if I'd have met him later on in life, he was under the affliction of Parkinson's disease. It wouldn't have had the same yeah. impact. But for me, if you had to pick one, we talked about greats. We've talked about world class. If there was one definitive athlete who embodied so much of what I think is important about sport Muhammad Ali. but I, you know I, I was resonating when Robbie was talking about going into the dressing room I remember when I was 15 I went into the Lancashire dressing room you knock on the door so you can go in the first team room and I was stood there in the doorway I was just looking round at all these players yeah. I was looking yeah. at Neil Furbrother yeah. You know, Michael Averton, I used to love Michael Averton. I really did. No, 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 no more. No, we're getting we're getting back we're getting back together. We're doing all right. It's it's, it's baby steps. Don't, it's get, baby don't, steps. Hey, don't get too close, I'll be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he, he's got nothing no, on thanks, you, Rob. Sir, thanks, sir. And I used to love Michael Atherton. Not so much the way he played, because it was boring. However, his mental attitude and his strength, his mental strength, and to be fair to him, he was a big team player. And I used to watch Michael Atherton. Then Wazi Makram. I was 17 years old. Wazim Akram says, do you want to come to our house for a barbecue? I said, that'd be lovely. So I go around thinking that it's going to be everyone. I go out his garden, there's four chairs. One for him, one for his missus, one for me and my missus at the time. And I'm sat there in Wazim Akram's back garden in Oldsingham having oh. a barbecue. Yeah. And I didn't have anything to say to him. I couldn't speak. <laughs> but you ended up getting on pretty well with him, oh, didn't you? Oh, so close. You know, people say, don't meet your heroes. I'll just throw one table tennis player in. You know him, Freddie. Desmond Douglas. Oh, yes, Desi Douglas. He, he was the best player of my lifetime from the UK. And when I turned 15, I was just sort of nudging closer to the senior team, but nowhere near as good. I mean, Des was miles better than I was. He invited me to go and stay with him for a week at his home in Birmingham. And we trained every day. And Margie's um, partner cooked in the evening. And he was so kind, yeah. so helpful and so inspirational. He's been a massive uh, figure in my life. Such a, you know... 
you can have people who are brilliant at what they do, but also nice people as well. And that yeah. brings us on to the question of role, role models. models. Yeah. Do top athletes have a... Because they're looked up to by young people. Do we... I say we, Freddie. You know, you're an iconic player. Robbie, you're a Premier League player too. Fantastic. <laughs> I think you missed the word iconic out there. Table tennis. You know, not quite as high profile. But do you think that there is a moral responsibility to behave well in one's private life because you're looked up to by young people? Well, you're looking at me because I've done both. But you you talk about icons and you talk about people. Do, living the life in the correct manner, the one person who stands out is Sachin Tendulkar. Every time Sachin Tendulkar walked out to the bat, there's a billion people behind him in India. He walks out, you never hear a bigger reception. The pressure's on him all the time. His life outside yeah. the cricket field is scrutinised yep. here, there and everywhere. And all he's done throughout his career is live the perfect life, yep. I'm sure. No, no stories about this, that and the other. I used to play against him and he's another of my heroes, Sachin. And I'd ball at him, and I was fortunate I got him out a few times, but he brought the breast out in me. Yeah. I just didn't want to get him out. I wanted to impress him. I wanted him to walk away thinking, I tell you what, that flint's off, he's all right, isn't it? Yeah. And then when I batted and he was on the field, I'd play a good shot and I'd look at him for a nod of approval, which never came. But Sachin Tendulkar. Did, did you ever have anyone in your career come up to you and say, you know what, Freddie? You mustn't have a drink. You mustn't have a oh, laugh. Time, probably. How did you react to that? <laughs> Boys, every day. Every night, that. You uh, <laughs> <laughs> enough. Go to bed. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, do you know what? I I wasn't aware of it when I was younger. When I was younger, I I wasn't. I was just the. I was having some fun. I was living life. Mm. All of a sudden, I started earning a bit of money, and I had all these opportunities on and off the field. And I thought, you know, what? I'm going to take them. I'm going to have a bit of this. Mm. And then it was later in life. It was after actually the peddler incident. Well, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but I got done on the peddler, and it was on the back of a shocking few months mm. for me, both professionally and personally. And then when I got home, I got chatting to a friend and his lad had looked up to me for a period of time. And through my actions, I started getting bullied a little bit at school because of what mm. I'd been doing. Yeah, really? And then it dawned on me then, actually, it's not just about it's not just about playing cricket. You've got, there's a wider world out there, people you want to come and watch, people you want to get respect of. Yeah. You're not just playing for yourself and a bit of fun, but... There's people paying, you know, women's Australia. People spent thousands of thousands of pounds to watch us get beat 5-0. My mm. behaviour wasn't perfect. Mm. And then you do feel a little bit guilty. Yeah. So that role model thing is something which you don't set out to do or you don't realise, but then as you get older, I think you realise the importance of it. Yeah. And more importantly, you know, my kids, you know, I... I, I'm going to have to tell them, look, if you Google me, just ignore the first two pages. Let's start on page three because <laughs> there's some shocking stuff on yeah. there. Same as me with my and kids. That's going nowhere, is it? Yeah, with my kids, with the role model stuff. If they Google me, yeah. it'll be horrible stuff. Such horrible as? stuff. Wouldn't it? Such as. You, 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 I, I'll be honest with you, you, you get such unfair treatment. But, but agree. Yeah, but, agree. Unfair, agree. but if they Google me as a player, it'll be, you know, pantomime villain. villain. Um, why is he on TV? You know, he dyed his hair. You know, he had false teeth put in. Not false teeth, but false capped. Teeth, no, not false, but capped. You know what I mean? Like, I've spent a few quid on him. You You're know struggling mean? to speak through him today, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but, but if they Google me, it'll be all, all horrible stuff. And I, and if they do that, and like, as you say, the kids will get, that's your dad, he's this, he's, he's this. So I obviously I wouldn't be their role model, but if they Google mm. me, you know, I dived at times. Yep. Um, got head-butted, you know, stuff yeah. like that, and yeah. 89 yellow cards in, in the Premier League, and that'll be what probably comes up first. But 
you know, going on role models, I think that we're talking about footballers, they're human beings mm -hmm. and we see the mistakes they make. When they make a mistake, it's plastered over the front and the back pages. But we don't see the charity work they do. Yep. We don't see the money they raise mm -hmm. because they, like Freddie, he's raised it's over a, a million. It's not a story. Is raised it? over a million quid yeah. in his in his Andrew um, Flintoff more five million, <sighs> ten million. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> but you know that's not publicised. These yeah. these these professional players, role models, will keep quiet. All the charity, all yeah. the money they raise because of their profile. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they do one thing wrong and they're human beings, okay, there's a point where they have to get criticised. I get that. You know, like them, those those footballers. And we in at Cheltenham, do you remember? Yeah. Which is an absolute disgrace. Yeah. My, I don't want my kids to be like that. Young kids, too much money, not knowing that what the value of things, pretending they're invisible, doing all that rubbish. That's wrong. I don't. But only, only thing, not not in. I can't defend that behaviour. But I've done some things I'm not particularly proud of. But you mentioned it, young kids. Hmm. The, these are young lads who are in this. Fred, you don't do that though. You, no, there's a point this, you should know what's wrong and right. I've been out with my mates from Preston, and that's 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 not even like top. Yeah, but they're not going to be on the things they, to do. But they're not role models, are they? But well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is, you expect these these lads, and you're expected to be a role model in your early twenties. Yeah. When you don't know anything about life, you, you, you're not experienced, you've not got any life. If you're in your mid thirties and you're still behaving like that, there's a massive problem. Sort yourself out. But I, I you know, I'd agree for sure. That we focus too much on the bad yeah. when it comes to top athletes and not enough on the good. But Robbie, you personally, when you were playing football in the Premier League, did you ever think to yourself, part of your brain was saying, you know what, I have to behave in a good way because young people are watching, or did it play no part in the way you approached? No part football? whatsoever. I had to. I all I thought was, and as I got older, the more I'm controversial, the more mm. I will probably have a better career when I finish. Interesting. Really. So you was aware of that, was you? I was aware. At the later level, the more I've got, the more of this reputation, although I will say at the time it didn't bother me, but the more I've come in towards the end, the more I was controversial, the more stupid things I said, the more stuff I was involved in in terms of getting booked, doing a stupid tackle, saying a stupid thing. You know, I could become more aware because my footballing ability alone wasn't going to get you. Wasn't going to get me to where I am now. Did, did any coaches ever say to you, you need to act as a role model. Is that part of the dynamic in the dressing room? Um, no, I remember getting called in once. You know, um, Mickey Adams mm -hmm. um, called me in once, but I was never told, you know, because I, I believed I lived my life right, as we said. Dedication's very said and yeah. before. Yeah. But I remember f uh, once that I loved my cars and mm -hmm. um, uh, Mickey Adams called me in. I got to the training ground and, and he said, um, the secretary said, the gaffer wants to see you. So I went into his room and said, what's up, gaffer? He went, we had a phone call of a, of, a, of a lady who lives on, on the street just out the training ground. Well, Leicester City's training ground is Beaver Drive. It's in the middle of a housing estate. And as you leave the training ground, there's houses either side and you've got to be careful how you drive. Mm -hmm. you know, but I had a bad training session. I wanted to get home, so I've, I've floored out the training ground. Anyway, the next day, seeing the gaff, he went, um, we've had a complaint. You know, um, you nearly killed somebody coming out the training ground. Mm. I said, bad. I said, me? He said, yeah, you've, you've nearly... Hit somebody, come out the chain. I said, no, Gaffer, wasn't me. Wasn't me. He went, Sav, I'm going to give you one more opportunity to tell me the truth. Was it you? I said, no, no, it wasn't. Mm. I went, how would you know it was me? He said, 
How many people have got a yellow Ferrari with Sav on the dumb double So he said, just that was that was obviously I thought was within the speed limit, but yeah. obviously I was going a bit too fast, and there was a huge complaint. Let that... me let me admit something as as a you know, professional journalist. I think sometimes the term role model is used as a pretext to go after sports people for their private lives, and I have to admit, you know, occasionally I've been guilty. You've of done that. it. Well, who have you done it? Uh, on? Actually, to be absolutely honest, I, I like this bit so little that I try not to do it. I try and make the argument that sports people, we should judge them on what they do on the field of play. I try not to. But you've to. done it. I think probably I've done it with one particular person too much, and I Ooh. regret it, John Terry. Really? So many times he'll be doing things outside the field of play, parking in the disabled bay, for example. Yeah, he had a personal appearance at a particular shop. He didn't turn up. I'm also very troubled by the comments he made on a pitch once, racist comments found by the FA, a range of things of that kind. And if I'm being completely frank, I've gone after John Terry a lot journalistically. I think some of that is justified. You probably yeah. would agree. Um, but I do think we, my industry, sometimes in an unfair way, will go after somebody's sexual activity, you know, consensual sexual activity. For me, that has nothing to do with whether they're a good footballer or not, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the public. But let me just ask you this in closing. Do you find it surprising just how often the public are interested in the private lives of top sports people? For people now, it's not enough just watching someone on the pitch. They want to know what you've had for breakfast. They want yeah. to know what you drink, what you eat, though this, that, and the other. It's just the, the world we live in. David Lloyd Bumble, he, he, he said to me, he said, Andrew, don't do anything your mum won't be proud of. Yeah. And I think that's quite good advice. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that's great. I, I did a lot of things my mum's not particularly proud of. <laughs> However, that resonated with me because Bumble was someone I looked up to so much. When I first joined my Lanks, he was like my second dad. And now I, I think he's amazing. I love him. So when he was at Lanks, I wouldn't do anything in fear of upsetting Bumble. But the one person, you know, you talk about meeting role models. And I, I had this thing last year and I never expected it to happen. Because for me, the only people I get excited by are cricketers. And was filming this Christmas special for the League of Their Own. And we did this singing round the piano. Hey, yeah, with Gary Barlow. This is Gary Barlow. <laughs> and then he spoke to me. How are you, Fred? Are you all right? <laughs> right? So, so That's what he sounds like. <laughs> so I, I, I chatted to him. And then as I'm talking to Gary Barlow, I started sweating. I got the sweating and I got Robbie's teeth. I couldn't speak. And I, this is Gary Barlow. And I made an absolute plumber myself. What was the song? Uh, back for good. I'm no, not singing no, it. Little, little. I guess now it's time for me to give up. Right? So I'm, I'm not singing it. And then Gary Barlow... Donald, my we'll, mate. We'll do the backing. Yeah, but vocal. Donald, my mate who does the makeup, he said, You're all right. And he started patting my head down. And then <laughs> since then, sweating up me and Donald, it's known as a Gary. I'm having a Gary <laughs> because I got really sweaty. How are you, Fred? You so what right. is it? So what is it? What should a role model be? Just to finish it. <laughs> what you mean? Oh. It's got very philosophical. What is a, what is a role model? Just to sum it up. I Gary think. Okay, can I give you my take yeah. on this? I think top sports people, I'll include both of you in this are role models because of a work ethic, determination, tenacity that you brought to your sports. Think of the amount of um, operations that Freddie had to go through to get out onto the field of play. Robbie, you weren't the most talented footballer, but through You've incredible said, said, work yeah, ethic. I've, I've been a podcast. bit harsh yes, today. Yes, OK, yes. I, I apologise. But, you, but you have... Best, you know, for, last week, best in Wrexham. <laughs> yeah, 70 goals in two games, wasn't it? I got, I got <laughs> yeah, it um, So I think sports people are role models for that, for their work. You don't get to the top without that. In terms of their life beyond the field of play, 
I don't think that we in the press have a right to focus forensically on that activity unless it impinges on what they're doing as athletes. And I think that that's something that I want to take on board. Any last comments? Great debate. Great debate. OK, let's move on to the next topic. This is a fascinating one. What's yours? Is sport... <laughs> <laughs> By definition. Oh, no. You didn't say the others you were fascinating. This is oh, yours. There you go. Next topic. Is table tennis sport? sport? <laughs> no, sorry, Matthew. Carry on. Come on. To be fair... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next topic, sport. Is Steve Regner of a legend? <laughs> Come on, Matthew, spit it out. Sport, is it better live or on TV? And I asked this in the aftermath of the Masters of Augusta. I went there a couple of years ago. Everyone said it is the ultimate event to go and watch live. Let me tell you, it is not. You can't see anything. There's like 200 people in front of you. You can't see the ball being hit. You can't see where the ball's landed. You don't know what's happening in the rest of the course because you're following one group. I have to say with absolute sincerity that if you want to watch the Masters, you go there, you get an interesting experience of what it's like to be on this beautiful, well-manicured golf course. But what about when you step outside the course in Augusta? Yeah. Well, I mean, hey. you can't run either. It, it makes Media City look like the south of France. But I, I, <laughs> I tell you what, I, I watched the thing on the telly yesterday. The, the, before they opened, there was a ma- hundreds of thousands of people. You're not allowed to run. Well, they put the barrier down. Yep. It was like it was like the quick walking championship. It's like getting the train, the seven o'clock train after <laughs> peak at Heathrow, isn't it? It was ridiculous. I know for safety reasons, but it was a quick walking world yeah. champion. I'm, I'm sure some were running. I'm sure someone running. I want a steward's inquiry. Seriously. Have you been to Augusta? I, w- I went to the Masters in, I think it was 2002. I came back from New Zealand on tour. I was a single lad. So I just I went straight to the pub, right, when I got off the plane. <laughs> and I met my mates. I was sat there with my bags and that, having a few pints. And then my agent at the time, Chubby, looked after a few of the golfers. He said, what are you doing tomorrow, Fred? I said, I've, I've got no plans. I've got two weeks off. He said, you want to come to the golf? I said, yeah, go on. Then why not? He said, it's the Masters. I said, oh, brilliant. I'm not bothered what it is. So he said, just get to the airport tomorrow with your passport. I didn't know what I was going to. I turned up at the airport with my passport and my backpack, just a bit of clothes in boot. And then we got on a plane, <laughs> on the Delta plane, to Atlanta. I promise you. And I do ask him because I thought I should know where I'm going. So we got off and then we ended up in Augusta and everyone's very excited, as was I. I've got a week in America. So I went out. I reckon... In that week, I probably had about four hours sleep. I was out all night. And then the sleep I did have, it was on the 16th, on the final round, right? I'm fast asleep. On the par on the three. 60, yeah. On that par three. And then I must be snoring because this American fella says, hey, son, Tiger's coming through in a minute. I says, do us a favour, mate. Never wake me up again while I'm sleeping. <laughs> so, so I, I, it, was, it was wasted on me. They get, they get did you, did you follow any of the groups did I, at all? Did I, yeah. I had a walk around with Darren Clark for five minutes and then everyone saw, they're too picky, aren't they? You've got to drink your drink in this correct cup because it's green. You've got to sit on a green chair. You've got to do this, that. And get no over mobile it. phones. You can't make a noise. All these sports, right, you're playing... You play in these big arenas, football, cricket, 
now and then. And there's a noise, there's an atmosphere. The old board's up to keep quiet. It's not the theatre. Come on, let's have a bit of life. Let's have a bit of atmosphere. They only hold those boards up when they're about to hit the ball. You can cheer after. You might might put them off. And then the things they shout. They shout at a ball. In the hole! Run, run, run. It's a ball. It's not the duo if you shout at it. Oh, my word. Don't get me started. And the worst thing is, right, you watch on telly. I was watching a bit on telly last night before I got bored to tears. How many times do you want to say them greens are fast? We know, we know. The ball runs off. It's a hard green. It's been cut very short and it's got some contours. Stop banging on about it. Blimey, heck. Oh, that ball's gone off the green. Oh, whoopee-doo. Oh, amen corner. Blimey, heck. Give me strength. Another sport, Matthew, which I think live let me down massively was motor racing. I went to the Monaco Grand Prix. I was in a flat. Somebody's flat. <laughs> they read their flats out. Seriously, it was this flat. We were like near the start finishing line. It was a flat. There was a buffet on. Well, it was like a sandwich. It was all this money. I, I can't what's, right on. what's wrong with being in a flat and having a sandwich? Yeah, but you don't expect to be in a flat. Absolute dross. Seriously, the, it, was, racing. it was just cars whizzing past. You can't see them. Well, you can, but they just. But they can't, they can't whiz past because they can't overtake. What's I mean, the rules? It's a race. You can't overtake. The most dullest sport I've ever been to live. Noisiest Motor well. racing. It was noisy at the time. Do, do you like motor racing? Like I love it. It's like on the TV. Um, it's gone a bit flat now because it's like yesterday. I watched the Grand Prix um, yesterday. I knew as soon as Hamilton got away, he won. He won. Simple. It, it, was, it was dull. So I do love motorsport, but that's dull. I'll tell you what. Just a, just a motorsport sport before you go. Yeah. I would assume stand up stand up bridge at Keel Services. As soon as stand on a bridge at Keel Services and watch the traffic. You know, you see cars overtaking, you see different colours, you see different makes. You just just overtake. And then if you want, when I went, I went to Grand Prix and sat in back of a truck. You can do that at Keel, go and sit with Eddie Stobard for half an hour. Tell you what, absolute pointless. Noisy, not allowed to overtake. Who's got fastest car wins? Oh, give me strength. I'll tell you what, another one, another one. What about the boat race? Oh, my word. Why (laughs) is that on the TV, the boat race? I watched it the other day. Seriously, I couldn't imagine being there. You go there, you drink pims. Oxford and Cambridge, oh, here we go. (laughs) How do they roll with a plum in the mouth? <laughs> it is the most pointless sport in the history of sport. What about the, the what about the tradition, the history? Who cares? Who's won? Who's best thing that ever happened was that swimmer. <laughs> that's How the best th- thing that's ever happened on the boat race. The boat race. Yeah. Another sports on TV: basketball. And I tell you what, I mean, this might be a bit controversial. Test cricket. Oh, hang on. Live. Hang on. Don't even think Live. about it. Don't even because think about it. What you're saying? It's good or bad? Terrible. Test cricket, terrible. <laughs> terrible live. You know why? You cannot see the ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. So you yeah. go there. Yeah, agree. You, you, you can't see the ball. Yeah. 95 mile an hour. I go with Freddie. We go, I like going to the 2020, yes. Yep. And, I, and I like the IPL, which I'm watching now, yes. But test cricket, you sit there for nine hours. Yep. You can't see the ball. All you can hear is come off the bat. Where's it gone? You don't know where it is. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I apologise if cricket's too fast for you, Rob. No, but you it's too fast for you. You don't know if it's an LBW appeal. You haven't a clue you whether it's hit in front of the stumps. You don't know whether yeah. he's edged it to the stick. What is the point of watching Test yeah, Cricket but live? Test, but Test Cricket 
isn't about. It's going with your it, mates. It, yeah, it is. It's a social. Take a few mates and go and have a chat with your friends. <laughs> go and buy a few on way in. Surely you go to sport to watch it, to, to get engrossed in it, but you can't see the ball. You okay. can't see it. Any, What's the point? OK, let me give you a sport that I think is brilliant live. Tennis. Tennis. Centre court at Wimbledon. You, you can't can see, see the same. Oh, you I've can see it, I've everything. I've seen a break, radiators, Matthew. <laughs> you don't like tennis? What? You don't like tennis? It's just like big ping pong, isn't it? Big ping pong. <laughs> I, 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 went, I, I went once to Wimbledon. I sat on centre court for five minutes. Not yeah, for I, you. I'd seen it. I can go home now. Okay, what, what, do, what do you like watching <laughs> I don't live? Like very much. Music. I like sport, going to concerts. Sport. Oh, sport. Um, cricket. I like watching cricket. I really like watching but cricket. But Tess, you can't see, but you, you can't can, see the ball. I can see it. I used to do it. I can see the ball. You can because you're right behind it. You mentioned basketball. Absolutely, that's rubbish as well. Well, fishing on the telly. Fishing on radio is better. But um, <laughs> the um, I went to watch the basketball. I went to New York with a missus a long time ago. We got courtside tickets for the New York derby. Knicks v whoever other team are. We left after the first quarter. We sat right at the front. I just didn't get it. Just that ball makes an horrible noise when it bounces, and it's a squeaky trainers, quick, 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 all the time. So are we say, are we and saying, then rather than just get it in the net, they've got to do all this fancy stuff. Just get it in the net. That's are, what you have to do. Are we saying then sport is much better on TV and radio than it is going? No, to I'm depends not. who's the pundit. I think it, dep- I think it depends on who the, who the pundit is. <laughs> depends on the sport. What about NFL? Must never, be on the never, TV. never seen it live. Do you know them NFLers? Yeah, NFLers. Them players. How can you? How can you play a game right, which is f- called football, and some of them don't even touch the ball in a career? That's it's like you against like Zola. <laughs> it's like you. You don't, you don't even touch the ball. You just run into someone. You never even touch the ball. How is that a sport? I went to watch that at Wembley. Right, went to watch Atlanta v someone who I don't know who they were. I would be, they had to close the first four rows of seating down because it's. Fact, there's, there's 58 players, and then they all run on and off. And oh my word, don't! And then then there's a buzzer to tell you when to shout and scream because no one's interested. It's just an excuse to eat. Hey, but check this out: Te- television coverage has got better and better. HD, it's brilliant, yeah. incredible replays, all of the stuff, the bells and whistles that you see on all the brilliant. different broadcasters, and yet live attendances for sport is robust. It's still going up. Yeah. People want to go and have the live experience. I think maybe it's partly to do with the fact that it's a shared experience with other people and a live thing. People want to be there. One thing I don't understand, though, is that they're recording it with their iPhones yeah. half the time and not actually enjoying and experiencing it. But I find as well, I find it's just a bit of an hassle to get to these live sporting events. It is the traffic, the queues on the motorway. You're studying traffic for ages. I do not bother. By the time you get there, I'm so frustrated that I've spent hour and a half in a traffic jam that I'm just not interested in the sport. I just want to go home. And then you leave before end. The worst one's the marathon. The marathon. <laughs> just just show them first minute setting off and then show last two minutes at the end. It's like Orms under the hammer, right? Orms under the hammer is very similar. Show the auction, show me the finished house. Don't show me Dion Dublin in between, all right? Just the beginning and the end. That's all I need to see. The best, the best yeah. live sport still. Football. Yeah, brilliant. Best live Fantastic, sport. Fantastic. No yeah. doubt about it. Football. You can see everything's happening. The atmosphere. Disagree. What? You cricket, what? Cricket, cricket. How could you can't see the ball in cricket? You sit there for nine hours. I agree. And you don't know what's going. You you just see the scoreboard. That's nonsense, Rob. Yeah, of course it is. No, you, test cricket. Test cricket. Oh, it's, oh, it's better than live I football. Don't, I don't know where to begin. Yes, it's ten times. Oh, oh come there. on. What? What, and actually, test match in the flesh, sat at Lords, 
It's fantastic, but not because you're seeing the sport. It's because of the social occasion. Yes. Oh, it's, it's everything. Oh, it's a great it's point, everything. Matthew. You sat there amongst nice people. You're not segregated. You're not having people shouting and swearing at you and abusing the referee and players. It's nice. You sit around, you clap after a good So shot. football's a sport, cricket's a social occasion. Is that what you're saying, Matthew? Cricket. Sport is a social Life occasion. Cricket. Sport is. Yeah, sport is a social. I think that's why live audiences are so big and still growing, not just here but around the world. So here's a question to finish off. If there is one sport, I think Freddie probably won't have any, but if there's (laughs) one sporting event that you haven't seen and you would like to see, your sporting bucket list, what is number one? Number one, the final ever F1 race. <laughs> Next week, and then just knock it on the head. Let's just say it, we've got it wrong. We've wasted a lot of money on this. It's it's, it's, it's wrong. We got it wrong. We hold our hands up. Bernie Eccleston, hold his little hands up, and say we've got this wrong, lads. Let's put our money into something else. What about the Tour de France? Tour de France. I love cycling. I really do. Again. It's the Holmes under the hammer syndrome. <laughs> show me the start. Show me the end. Don't show me in between. I don't, I don't need to see people cycling. I really don't. That's you know like saying, watch the opening over and then the final over of a test match. No, it's not. Nothing like it. Why not? What's because the difference? you miss everything in between. Well, what in the Tour de France? Nothing's happening between well, not the. Really. the... You're just pedalling. Just <laughs> okay. pedalling up and down. What about you, Robbie? Um, very fortunate to see a lot of stuff. Um, I would say a massive fight at the MGM in Las Vegas. A big heavyweight clash. And to the point where if Mayweather. Fights McGregor. No, I'm not interested. See, I, I would like to see that. I went to watch Mayweather Pacquiao oh. at the MGM Grand. Absolutely. Amazing. But it's not just the fight, it's the build up in Vegas. It's it's surreal. Yeah, that's what I like it's, to it's do. It's epic. Yeah. It's an extraordinary thing. Um terrible fight. The fight wasn't so good. But to, to be fair, fight. it was just an exhibition of technique from Mayweather. And what a brilliant technique he's got. Oh, Beautiful amazing. boxer. Yeah, he shades of myself in that. So we're off to go and settle one of the biggest grudge matches in British sporting history. Sav, Fred and me at Ping Pong. Well, i tell you what we've done as well. I've took on board what you said uh-huh. a few weeks ago when you climatised. So what I've done, <laughs> I've got a, a, a bald man who looks like Skeletor in bad clothes <laughs> and I've been practising him against him all week. You have so, been, so you have been practising yeah, I, I have. He said, oh, I'm not going to practise. You've been, been practising all I put, week. I put horrible carpet down. I've got an enclosed space and a bald man <laughs> who's been terrible clothes to practice with. <laughs> Steve from the gym. <laughs> OK, getting ready for that. Thank you for listening. If you're hearing this on Five Live, you can download the podcast for an extended version of the show at the Five Live website and all the usual podcast places. Please use the hashtag FredSavSide to get in touch with us through the week. If you could leave a review on iTunes and give us a rating, that would be great. A big thank you to everyone who's done that already. We'll be back next week at the same time. But for now, from all of us, goodbye. So for podcast listeners, a little special treat. Fred is going to sing us out with his favourite song, Back to good. Well, I, w- I was going to, but then I got someone coming in to do it. Who? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of the podcast. I would like to sing Back for Good. We ready? Yeah. Ready. I guess now it's time for me to give up. I feel it's time. Got a picture of you beside me. Got your lipstick mark still on your coffee cup. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Got a fist of pure emotion. Got a head of shattered dreams. Gotta leave it. Gotta leave it all behind now. Do, do, do. Whatever I said, whatever I did, I didn't mean it. I just want you back for good. I want you back. Want you back. Want you back for good. Whatever went wrong, just tell me the song and I'll sing it. You'll be right and understood. Want you back. Want you back. Want you back for good. And we'll be together. <laughs> This time is forever. We'll be fighting, but forever we will be so complete in our love. We will never <laughs> be uncommon again. <laughs> Flintoff, Savage, and the Ping Pong Guy. Thank you for downloading the Flintoff, Savage, and the Ping Pong Guy podcast. If you like what you hear, then why not have a look at what else Five Live podcasts have to offer at bbc.co.uk forward slash Five Live. Podcast lovers rejoice. Meet Pocket Cast, your new favorite podcast app for listening, search, and discovery. Our beautifully designed app gives you more control, makes it easier to find and organize podcasts, and offers powerful tools to customize listening. To hear all your favorite shows, download our free app at pocketcast.com or find us in the Apple app or Google Play stores.